Welcome back to the pod. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen and Leger Duzabal. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. You as well, EA man. Any big plans? Uh, family is actually coming into town. So, but instead of cooking, since we're in a temporary living right now. <laughs> yeah. We're ordering out for the first okay. time in a long time. Getting it catered in. Uh, yeah, I'm going to nice. go pick it up. How nice. about you? Uh, man, working. A lot of a lot of you no know, football. You know, Thanksgiving and Christmas is all around football season. So, uh, you know, my weekends are always crazy. So um, I'll probably go to a friend's house. Um, had to, My girlfriend had to go back home. We had some issues with the house. So it sucks back that she Florida. won't be here. Yeah, she, sucks that she won't be here. But uh, you know, just working, man. Prepping for for the you know the Justice Sunday. Got you know college, you know playoff football in the FCS this yeah, week. Yeah, but can you tell us what you're doing this weekend as yeah. far as FCS is concerned? So, yeah, because yeah, this is got, a cool little travel week. It is, man. So I I have the privilege of going to South Dakota. South Dakota State is playing UC Davis in the first round of the FCS championship series. So uh, I'll be calling that game on Saturday for ESPN. So yeah, it's my first time in South Dakota. I'm kind of excited. That is awesome. Yeah. Busy work weekend because then after that, of course, you're going to be on SNY for pre and post game shows on Sunday. It is the Jets and the Texans. Anything can happen in the National Football League. <laughs> yeah. We saw that again last weekend. The Texans go into Tennessee, Man. pick up five takeaways, and come home with an unlikely victory. It's been the theme of this year in the NFL, right? Games and teams win when you don't expect them to win. Uh, um, albeit the Jets beating Tennessee Titans and Cincinnati Bengals. Nobody saw that happening, and it happened. We saw the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills. And then last week, the Houston Texans in a monsoon bowl Go to Tennessee and come away with the win for his five turnovers, and it really could have been seven. Uh, crazy. Uh, what do you think about the NFL's Thanksgiving traditions? Right now, we're up to three, three games. games. I, crazy. I love that. So we got a night game, but yeah. it's always the Lions and the Cowboys at home. Yeah, I, I love the tradition. And, uh, you know, we talked about this on the Robert Sala show with Bart, you know, him being from Michigan. It's always good for Detroit to be on Thursday nights, and the Cowboys will always be on Thursday nights, but I've kinda, I'm kind of glad that they expanded it. They've added like the Thursday night football game as the last game. So you literally have football all Thursday. So I'll be watching film and watching football all Thursday. And we know you will. Uh, what is the ceiling of the electrifying Elijah Moore? That's five Man. touchdowns now for the rookie receiver. Every week he's doing something. And Robert Sala said after the game against the Dolphins, a 24-17 to loss, that he's going to be special. Yeah, I, be I believe this is the guy they envisioned when they were able to sneak and get him in the second round because essentially that's what it was. This was a guy that a lot of talent evaluators had as a top 15, top 20 talent. And you get him at the top of the second round, that's a steal for the Jets. And we saw all during training camp and everybody was excited about him. You know, he didn't got banged up a little bit, missed a week or two, came back, and people were trying to act like he couldn't play the game. But no, they're finally using him in the right way. You have to give some respect and kudos to Michael LaFleur. He's done a really good job of moving him around, even had him in the backfield last week through a bubble screen to him. And then off of that play, faked the bubble to him and hit Bowden on a quick slant route. So Michael LaFleur has been in his bag the last couple weeks as an offensive coordinator. And he's done a really good job of moving Elijah Moore around, getting him the ball in space, some end arounds, things that he did at Ole Miss, getting him in the slot, playing him on the outside. And he's kind of becoming, not kind of becoming, he's becoming receiver one for the New York Jets. Does he sneak up on people? Uh, you watch him on film, yeah. 
And I'm sure, guys, they have the scouting report that, you know, he's a workout freak. He's a sub-4-4 four, four guy. He's very quick. But then he gets the ball in his hands, and it's like he's got another gear. Yeah, and I think that's a difference, right, because people just want to put him in the slot. But the thing is, he can do everything. And he's not just like most typical slots that are just short area quickness guy. This is a guy that can take the top off the defense, and we saw that when he hooked up with Joe Flacco for, what was it, 40-plus yard touchdown? On, 62 yards. Yeah, Byron Jones in man coverage. He literally separated from him, and Byron Jones is one of the better corners in the NFL. So this is a guy that's not just short area quickness. He has that explosive speed down the field, and you saw that on Sunday. Can you speak to that? You alluded to it before, but how can Moore's – production help everybody else on offense because you have to account for him yeah. he's going to start seeing a lot more safety help over the top I'd imagine and exactly you know who's going to benefit from the most Corey Davis right because if you look at Corey Davis's situation with the Tennessee Titans like he wasn't the number one guy and A.J. Brown got a lot of attention so he was able to eat off that well with Elijah Moore the last couple of weeks being one of the top receivers in the NFL as far as production teams are going to start you know paying attention to that he's going to get more attention he's going to get more double coverage so that's going to open the game up for Corey Davis where in the beginning of the year teams were really focused on Corey Davis and he was getting bracketed a lot so this is what I believe Joe D and Robert Sala and Michael Floor envisioned when they drafted Elijah Moore they wanted to have two receivers that potentially could you know take double teams and when you double one the other one can you know start having some more production. So I believe Corey Davis will benefit more from Elijah Moore having success. Good for the Jets, but why was he there at the top of the second round? I still can't wrap my head around it. You know, some Italian evaluators are just stuck in their ways. I think maybe the height had a little something to do with it, and a lot of people penciled him in as a slot. But it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it, it really does It's a positionless team now. Yeah, the thing is, like, you could talk about his height and talk about his, just pencil him in the slot, and he's comfortable in the slot, and he made a lot of plays in Ole Miss in the slot. But I said it when they drafted him. This is a guy that can literally do everything. He can be the X. He can be, you know, the Z. He can be in the slot. You know, he can be in the backfield. They had him in the backfield at Ole Miss, and even Michael LaFord did that last week. They gave him some handoffs at Ole Miss. So that's a guy that could potentially even do that too, and he shows shifty, and he might be short in stature, but like you said – He's a workout freak. So, like, the first guy doesn't always bring him down. It's not just because he's, he's crafty and shifty. It's because he runs with power sometimes, too. So, this is a guy that's an explosive weapon that Mike LaFleur has really, you know, started scripting plays for. Like, in the beginning of the year, they would just put him out there. But it seems like now they're scripting plays for him. Now Justin Hardy's going to stop by the pod here in a couple moments. But uh, as we continue to talk about Elijah Moore, he also has what they would say in the locker room with dog mentality. Oh, yeah. Like, he is a fierce competitor. You can see it in his eyes. You can see the way he talks. Like, uh, he does not accept losing, and that is a guy you want in the room. Of course, you want that to be one of your foundational pieces, a guy that's not satisfied with having a good game and taking a loss. You heard him in the post-game you know, post conference when they, they were asking about him in his big game. He said, it would have been better if we won the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I had over, what, 140 yards, but yep. it was in a losing effort. So this is a guy that is not satisfied with losing, and you want that, you know, especially from one of your young stars, one of your – true foundational pieces because it's a mindset, right? You can't get used to losing. You got to hate someone. I had a coach tell me once, and this might be a little extra, but that you die a little bit when you lose. And I literally took that to heart, and it was my college coach. It was George O'Leary. Like, nothing pissed me off more than losing in football. Or losing in life, period, but definitely when I was on the field. You know, you put in all that hard work through the offseason, all that hard work through the week to go out there to make the plays. And 
when you come out with a loss, it's, it seems like it's all for nothing. So, like, that really affects you. So, you have to hate losing, like, more than you like winning. Uh, Moore has five touchdowns again. Mm-hmm. I, I would say do not be surprised, fantasy fans, if this kid ends up with double-digit touchdowns this year. And I'm watching him this week against the Texans because I think there'll be another opportunity for him to get on the board. Yeah, this is another opportunity for the offense to go out there and show well. They showed well really well last week. Uh, two missed field goals hurt you. Being in plus territory and not kicking the field goal and start deciding to punt the game hurt you. So like, the game could have been you know a little bit more lopsided or favored the Jets a little bit more if they make those two field goals and potentially – you know, go for it on that fourth down, continue to drive, and maybe get points at the end of that drive. Maybe the Jets, that swings in their favor and they get the win. But the offense, we know that hasn't been the issue the last few weeks. They've been able to move the ball effectively. Now, they struggled a little bit versus the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. But, you know, no matter who the quarterback has been, the offense has been able to gel and move the ball. The offensive line is coming together. They've been able to run the ball in pockets. Um, you know, I feel for Michael Carter, he was having a heck of a season and he'll well, be what's out the for counter right there? I, mm-hmm. I want to stay right there because Carter's probably going to have 100 yards rushing Easily. against the Dolphins. <laughs> the and thing is, him going out the game, I don't like to say this for any, play, any player, but I think that's how the Jets lost the game because we were mm-hmm. in such a rhythm. The Jets were in such a rhythm running the football with him in the game, and it seems like when he got hurt, we just stopped running the football. Um, and to me, Tevin Coleman is a capable runner. You know, Ty Johnson showed he could be a capable runner. But the way Michael Carter has played this year, yeah, it's just the first guy never brings him back, brings him down. I know we had him on here. We talked to him about that. Comes from a you know a family of running backs. It was a cardinal sin for the first guy to ever bring you down. But you could tell he has that mentality when he's on the field. Like there's so many times earlier in that game, even when he could have been tackled for a loss. This guy gets four or five yards, like after contact. His yards, his contact contact balance is just ridiculous, man. And again, a guy that's not you know tall or you know he's he's shorter in stature, but he's built like a like a bowling ball, like a boulder. And the first guy just bounces off of him. It's it's just crazy. And I just hopefully he can come back. Uh, I think Robert Sala came out and said we're not going to bring him back unless he's 100% healthy. And I 100% agree with that. Low grade, high ankle sprain. Could be two to four weeks. Could be less. Could be more. Yeah. Have you ever had a high ankle sprain? Yeah, hey, I have. And and the thing is, I had a doctor tell me once. Sometimes it's better to just break your ankle than really, have. because the naggingness of the high ankle, you can re-injure it quite easily if you mm-hmm. if you come back a little bit too early. So you know, with a broken ankle, like you're gonna be out probably what six six weeks, and it's gonna heal back strong, 100. percent You're gonna have the pin in and everything. But with the high ankle sprain, like. It's hit or miss. I've seen guys struggle with that for 10, 10, 11 weeks. Almost sounds like a hamstring. Yeah, so the <laughs> thing is you just have to make sure you're right before you come back with that injury. Or, you know, you're talking about having something for longevity of the throughout the season. Yes, there's seven games left. So, you know, hopefully he can come back for three or four of those games. Will LaFleur benefit now having a week of practice to prepare without having Carter as yep. opposed to he goes out mid-game? And obviously that changes your rhythm, even as a play caller. And what's the counter? You mentioned Tevin Coleman and, of course, Ty Johnson. How do you think those kind of touches will be distributed? I think it'll be like how it was in the beginning of the year when it was running back by committee before Michael Carter solidified himself as running back one. And I think it does help now going into this week versus the Texans. He knows, like, I don't have Michael Carter, so he's not going to be our bell cow. Let's get Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson going a little bit more. And Ty Johnson showed that he's been – you know, a good receiver of the ball out of the backfield. I believe he actually has more receiving yards than rushing yards this year. So maybe he takes a little bit more of the third down. Tevin Coleman takes more of the first and second, which is 
kind of funny because Tevin Coleman in his earlier in his career was mainly the third down back yeah. in Atlanta, so it's kind of role reversal. But Tevin Coleman has showed you some explosiveness, you know, going through the hole, getting like eight yards of carry at He's times. Decisive. Yeah, exactly. So he has that he has that turnover speed, and I think that's why they put him back at kick return this year because he's a guy that can get in the open field and take off. So I think it'll be running back by a committee. By mostly those two guys will be in the backfield, and I think Ty Johnson probably takes a little bit more on third down. Sala is really a straight shooter in these news conferences. After the game, he talked about 90% of the games in the National Football League are not won. They are lost. Yeah. And you could tell he was very frustrated. Oh, yeah. I think this is the first time we actually seen him not just frustrated, angry. Yeah. Right? Because when you're – not to take this the wrong way. <laughs> when you're talent – deficient in some areas and you're playing another no, team. No, but that's that, fair. You yeah, gotta yeah. speak the truth on yeah, the pod. Always, yeah, always. <laughs> when you're talent deficient and uh, on your team and you're, you're playing a team that's also talent deficient, the team that makes less mistakes is going to ultimately win the game. And we saw that that reared its ugly hand on Sunday. Like, you can't miss two field goals. You can't be in plus territory and not come away with any points. So, you're talking about three possessions right there where you're getting no points. When you're, the, when you're in the opponent's territory – and then adversely, you can't have pivotal penalties at pivotal parts of the game. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't get the personal foul late in the game that leads to a touchdown when you're holding them to a field goal there and your offense has been moving the ball. So you're talking about only being down 17 to 14, which your offense getting the ball back, what I believe, like 11 minutes. But they run some more clock off and then score a touchdown. And then, you know, the defensive holding call, I'm like, solid, that's a – that's an aggressive penalty. You just have to know the situations and what the refs are looking for there and, and just be smart. And that's but a rookie DB and say, Jason Pinnock who isn't playing a lot thing. of football. We, like, I didn't think this defensive backfield could get any younger, but it got younger Sunday. Like, you had Isaiah Dunn starting out there at corner who had barely played throughout this season. Undrafted free agent from exactly. Oregon State. And then Pinnock, who had only played on special teams exclusively. Elijah Riley gets a there, start to safety. Out there start, yeah, so you're talking about having a very young team out there and – they haven't been in those situations before. So some of that with like Pinnock is going to happen, but you can't have the personal fouls. I, I don't want to point fingers. I want to more so use your knowledge and help us understand what happened by the goal line. You got a veteran quarterback, Joe Flacco, who's seen everything. That's yeah. why he was starting yeah. on Sunday. He played very well, passed for yeah, nearly yeah. 300 yards, two touchdowns. It just seems like whoever plays quarterback can throw for 300 <laughs> yards, man. Just put the next guy up. Yeah, second and goal of five. You talk about missed opportunities. Man. We can go back into the first half there. Um, Dolphin defensive back comes unimpeded. Flacco obviously thought that block was going to be picked up. Yeah, so it's, it's a couple things, right? It's communication with the offensive line. They should have either full slid that or they should have slid it to the right and had the running back check to the left to take Jones coming off the edge. So I have to go back and, and watch the game one more time. But if there was if there was five or six coming and they didn't check the running back to that side, that means the quarterback is responsible for that guy. We kind of saw that earlier in the year versus the Cincinnati Bengals right before the halftime on, I believe it was third and six. They bring six. We only have five to protect. Yep. Elijah Vera Tucker does a hell of a job, which it wasn't his responsibility. He checks down on, you know, DJ Reader, then gets out to the linebacker. But Mike White knew that he was responsible for the other guy, so he drifts away a little bit and is able to throw an absolute dime to Braxton Berrios yep. on a quick out route. So it's all about communication right there with the offensive line, the quarterback, the quarterback knowing if that's my guy, I have to get the ball. I can't hitch right there. We saw Zach Wilson get hit earlier in the season on something like that in the red zone. Like, Right there, the one thing you cannot do is take a sack, and you can definitely not have a sack fumble 
when you talk about the potential of losing points right there. Quincy Williams inserted back in the starting lineup. Comes yeah. up with 15 tackles. Very unique guy. When the Jets acquired him off of waivers from Jacksonville, Salah said, for a guy his size, we really liked his length yeah. and obviously his speed. And his he speed. plays violent. Yeah. He's 5'11", 225. I had to double-check that. Like That can't I, be right. I had triple-check. He, he's listed as 5'11", 225. Man, on the field, that boy look like he's 6'2", 240. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so you, you love the physicality that he brings with him. I think he's earned a right to have the potential to maybe be the starter going forward. And even next year, going into next year, had the potential coming into camp as a starter until somebody dethrones him because – He's played at a high level now. Sometimes he's like a, a dog in the meat house, right? You see ball, get ball. He has to work on his keys. But he's a young guy, right? He hasn't had this missed opportunity on defense. And he's been a good special teams player. And I thought with Jared Davis coming back, and we talked about this before, your special teams gets a lot better with him. And you saw the few weeks when he wasn't starting, he was making plays on special yes. teams because that's what he has been known for. But he's earned the right to potentially be the will starting forward throughout the year. And even going into next year, if he continues to play this way, to, to have the potential of coming into training camp to be the starter. That really is rare size for a linebacker, though. I, I got to well, look back at it. 5'11". Yeah, but if you look at what Robert Sala has done in his defense, he gets a lot of hybrid safety slash linebackers. Mm, true. Because you got to be able to run east and west, but then you also have to have the coverage skills and the speed to cover tight ends down the seam. And you saw that in San Francisco with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Like, when Fred Warner came out, I was like, there's no way he's going to be able to play middle linebacker in our scheme. I'm like, this dude looks like he's 220. But, you know, Fred's probably about 235 now, almost 240. Sure. He's gotten a little bit bigger. But I was like, they're going to eat him alive. But he, he was able to stay up there, to phys be physical in the run game. And you've seen his coverage skills. He's one of the best coverage linebackers in all of football. So, yeah, that's, that's, where, the fo that's where football is going, right? That dime linebacker that's a hybrid safety. That's, you see it on the college level, too. I, you know, we talked about me calling college games. You see it time and time again, 210, 220 pound like linebacker, athletic linebackers that used to be safeties that they make the dime linebacker now. Justin Hardy is coming up on the pod. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. What are we watching right now in terms of secondary? Secondary. Yeah. You talk about the youth. Um, Ashton <laughs> Davis is in his second year. It's like he's the big veteran back there. I, I'm talking about potential starting pieces moving forward. What are you seeing? But Bryce Hall. Michael Carter is for second, sure. and then everybody else, it's kind of like an opportunity for them not only to get valuable snaps right now, but also make their case for roster spots and beyond in, in 22. Yeah, if you're, if you're a Robert Sala, you have to feel good that you probably have two foundational pieces in your secondary at the slot position in Michael Carter. I think you kind of, <coughs> excuse me, kind of think you kind of pencil him in as a slot guy next year. Now, every year your spot has to be earned. I had a coach that used to always tell me that. But and then Bryce Hall to me, I think you feel comfortable with him being either your one A or your one B, you know, starting corner on the outside because he's proven that he can be the number one corner on your team. Like he be strapping guys up, like literally, like versus Diggs, he had had a really good game last week versus Miami. I think he only gave up maybe five catches or four catches for like twenty yards or something like that, which is crazy. So here's, a, here's my thing about Hall, real quick, is that. I, I think he probably flies a little bit under the radar because he's such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. a lot of times cornerbacks. They got like, that big personality. Yeah. yeah, he's not like that. I, I'm, the, I'm the man. And also, I'm also, they don't even target him. Yeah, so right. So that's, that's, that's the other issue. Like, So, like, 
he has pass breakups, but he doesn't have a crazy number because he doesn't get targeted that many times because teams feel like they have something on the opposite side. We saw the Buffalo Bills perfect, you know, perfectly script that when, you know, Gidry came in the game versus one of their best receivers, one of the best receivers in the league and Stephon Diggs. Like, why would we test, you know, Bryce Hall, who's standing at six foot one, six foot two, when we have this other corner that we could, you know, technically test? And whether it was Gidry or Eccles, I think that side was going to get tested because people have found that Bryce Hall can play big boy football. And people tend to forget this guy was a first, first second round pick before the injury. Right. So the Jets what got him in the fifth round, I believe. Yes, they did. So you're talking about yes. getting a, a, a draft still right there by getting him in the fifth round um, because he wasn't healthy. But now he is healthy and he's playing some some top corner football for you. So you got to – if you're Robert Sala, you have to be glad that you probably have those two foundational pieces, you know, going into the next season. Um, and then you got to look at the other corner back position. I'm sure it will get addressed. Brandon Eccles – has earned the right to, to potentially get some playing time. He's played well in spurts. Um, but then after that, you have to ask yourself, you know, you know, we had Riley starting who had just got into the building. Talk about the injuries and safety. Like they have to bare minimum probably bring in two free agents at the safety position, like two potential starters at the at the free agent. Yeah, because we'll have to see what happens with Marcus maybe. He's yeah, got the tag this year. Unfortunately, yeah. he got hurt. Exactly. And LaMarcus Joyner is free. Yep. Um, so – I think they have to bring in at least two veteran corners. Maybe you don't bring in a, a veteran corner that can start right away, or maybe if you find a good enough corner, a veteran corner that you think can start, you bring them in. You're probably going to draft another one probably within the first three rounds. And then at the safety position, I think you have to bring in at least one starter for sure in free agency at the safety position and then potentially maybe find one, you know, during the draft. And maybe Ashton Davis continues to, to ascend and play a little bit better, and he has the potential to maybe be your other starting safety. All right. Let's talk about Salah a little bit. He said after the game, John Franklin Myers, the penalties is unacceptable. Yeah. And he wasn't going to put him on blast, meaning he's not going to make public any kind of discussions he has behind closed doors. If you play for him, yeah. what do you think? How does he approach it with John Franklin Myers himself, because JFM's a good guy, yeah, he's a exactly. team-oriented player. It's, it's whatever. a bad play, and at then the, at also, the wrong moment. W- would he show it to the team too as well? How, how does Salah approach these things? So he's always big on about treating men like men. Right, like John, JFM. Nobody probably feels worse than JFM does 100%. after that play. Um, you stated he's a really good dude. He knows that he let his team down. He even said that in the press conference. He's like, you know, I, it's unacceptable. I can't do that. I have to be smarter than that. Um, so I think you handled it like that. I mean, I don't think you, you bench him because um, it was just a lapse of judgment in one area, but it was it just happened to be in a pivotal part of the game yep. that it happened. You, you discuss it with him in private one-on-one, and you move on. Now, if this was something that was in a repeat offender where a guy continues to get personal foul, then, yeah, you, you make a change. You bench him, and you let him sit on the bench and let him think about it. But I think this is something that was a one-off situation. This is a guy that had never really had any – late hits or personal no. fouls. So this is a good dude, a good teammate. His teammates love him. He knows that he messed up. Um, this is a – you talk about it and then you move on, honestly. Yeah, he's well thought of throughout the organization. Yeah. You can tell how much he means to Sala, Jeff Albrick, Aaron Whitecott, and the defensive line coach. Um, that's, that's an isolated incident. you got to move on. you yeah. got to learn from it. 100%. Let me ask you about this. Sala, early this week, says, I respect the heck out of the urgency of the fans – and the wanting to flip this thing. But in fairness, this is the first time this fan base is experiencing something like this. Usually, usually it has been a quick mm-hmm. fix a followed quick by a scramble. <laughs> this is an actual plan. 
Yeah, exactly. So, and we've talked about this, right? Uh, people say like, "Yo, it just has been through." Nah, no, they never been through a real rebuild like this. This is a true rebuild. When you talk about so many rookies playing, like, I don't even. We probably have to lead the league in rookies played this year. Rookie snaps, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, and it got even younger Sunday with Isaiah Dunn and and uh, Pinnock going out there and playing too. So this is like a true start from ground up rebuild, and the fan base. Trust me, I understand. You know, I'm. I associate with the Jets. I was here longest in my career. So I, I, I get I get your pain. Like the last time we had a winning record when I was here, it was 2015. So I, I understand the urgency by the fan base. But trust me, these coaches are feeling it too. And they want to win right now. They're like, they don't, nobody likes losing. So they just want to build it right so you can have sustained, sustained success. You can't just put a band-aid over, which the Jets have done in the past. Just try to put a band-aid over and try to bring a few pieces here and there. Now they're trying to build, you know, build it through the draft, build it through some pivotal free agent pickups and find foundational peaches that they, they can really latch on. That way they have sustain, sustained success and it won't just be a, you know a one good year and then they're back to not being good again. A, a football is football, so I, I don't think anything is eye-opening to Salah from that respect mm. because he's been part of rebuilds in yeah. G- Houston, Jacksonville, Seattle, San Francisco. Yep. This is his fifth time going through it. But he also laughed and said, one year in New York is like dog years. Do you think, like, the outside stuff that comes <coughs> along with being a head coach in New York is something that basically you, you can't prepare for? You, you can't, take it as it, it wears, comes. It wears on you, right? <laughs> so, like, that's the thing when you get this job. You have to be prepared for it, but there's no preparing for the New York media. Like, you don't know about the New York media until you're engulfed in it. I think he's learning that now um, because this New York media and the fan base, these fans are, you know, very passionate about their teams up here. It can wear on you as a coach, right? Because you've seen everybody just saying you suck, you suck, you're trash. In a place like, you know, San Fran, it's probably not as bad, even though they got the long history of, you know, winning Super Bowls right. there. It's just not as bad. You know, they're, they're a little bit more vibrant, you know, a little bit more, you know, free-spirited there, you know. They got the good 70-degree weather year-round. But, you know, it gets cold. It's rugged up here. So, you know, the, yeah, the no, fan base takes on. Not know, a lot of wine and cheese at the tailgate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the fan base takes the personality of the city and the weather around here. So, like, it can wear on you as a coach. So you just have to be comfortable in who you are as a head coach if you're Robert Sala and realize that this is the plan. Like, there's a plan. We just want to progress throughout the year, but we want to build this thing the right way so that we have success for the foreseeable future. Can you speak to the fans, though, as a guy who's an analyst now and also played here? It's been 11 years since this team has made the playoffs, so you can't point to Salah for any of that. You really can't. But but on the other side of the coin, you can appreciate where the fans are coming from because, God, they've waited so long for this thing to turn, and they've heard the message from different people. Again, you can't assign solid to it, but you also can understand where the fan is coming from. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and talk to the fans right <laughs> here. So this, and don't take this the wrong way, this reminds me of 2016, right, when I'm playing for the Buffalo Bills and Rex Ryan, and I believe it had been, like, a, what, an 18-year drought, mm. and it was like the fan base was pouring that on to Rex, but I'm like, you know Rex has only been here two years, right? Like, you can't, like, I understand the urgency and the need to win because you guys come out week in and week out, you spend your money, which I get, you know, that's your choice. But, again, there's a plan and a process. And you got to think before Rex got there, 
there have been 15 to 16 years of teams not making the playoffs, right? So how many times are you going to continue to blame the current coach for the you know the fa- the faltering of the, the his predecessors, right? The people that came before him. Same thing right here with Robert Sala. Like yes, it's been 11 years. It was travesty in 2015. We didn't make the playoffs. Usually, if you go 10 and six, you make the playoffs. So <laughs> go ahead and put that out there. But you cannot blame him for all the transgressions for everybody that came before him, right? This is his first year. So understand that this is going to be a process. And most fans, if if you really were following the Jets, you knew it wasn't going to be about the wins and losses this year. So mm-hmm. A lot of fans are out there thinking that Jessica go nine to seven or even you know ten to seven. Like, pump your brakes. Like, it's, this was a process. We've played more rookies than anybody in the NFL. It's all about building those foundational pieces so you can have success, sustain, sustain success, sustain success, sustain success. Get it out, dudes. <laughs> and that way you have success for the foreseeable future, not just have success for a little bit and then it goes away. All right, let's bring in Justin, and then we're gonna. Give you a preview of Jets Texans Sunday afternoon. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. What is your favorite Thanksgiving memory? Uh, You know, same to you, same to you and yours. Um <clears throat> Uh, my, uh, of course, favorite Thanksgiving memory is just, you know, um, me spending time with, you know, my loved ones that I lost. So, you know, all, all, all those times, you know, I feel like those are, were the best because those were the best times. But, you know, definitely just looking forward to the future as well. So don't, uh, it's not a sad moment, you know, um, but you said the best memory. So that's that. What's a must have side dish mm. in Justin Hardy's Thanksgiving meal? Um, a must-have is stuffing. Uh, I mean, just grow up, growing up, and uh, I feel like my grandmother used to make some of the best stuffing. So you call it stuffing and not dressing? Yeah, I go yeah, stuffing. Yeah, stuffing, dressing, same, same thing, you know. <laughs> well, uh, what about pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? Um, Sweet potato pie. Yeah, you a, pe- you a pecan pie guy or no? Nah, nah. I'm I'm really not even a cake or pie guy, but you know, uh, sweet potato pie. If I get caught slipping, I feel like I can take one of them down. <laughs> and uh, pe- peach cobbler. I love peach cobbler. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Awesome. Got a scoop of ice cream with that. Hey, yeah. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you. Um, you mentioned it before about people that you've lost. Um, how much? is your mom part of every step that you take each day um everything i do everything i do man every decision i make everything recently just lost a best friend um a few weeks ago and you know so it's like you know uh it's crazy but it's life it's reality uh just got to keep pushing for them everything i do and every honor and everything um is for them so 
like I said, they they keep me going. They keep me positive. Uh, I could definitely be walking around sad, but I know they wouldn't be wanting that. Just let's talk about you on the field a little bit. You know, you're a special teams demon. Where where did you get that dog mentality from? Because you can see it in the way you play, and you kind of bring that attitude. And it seems like the special teams unit is kind of taking after your attitude as far as like having that dog mentality and just refusing to be blocked when you're going down on coverage teams. Um, yeah, um, really, um, I would definitely say it started when, when I uh, got in the NFL because I was an offensive guy, so I really didn't play that much special teams my senior year of college. And then uh, actually the team that we're playing this week um, where I started off at um, as a wide receiver and, you know, it was like it was just times where um, I just felt like it was nothing left for me to do. And um, I just felt like I just had to throw my body in there because it was either I was going to do that. I was going to sell myself out and just lay everything out on the line to give everything I got or, you know, I'd have been home and I wouldn't have been, you know, I wouldn't have no story in the NFL or anything like that. So I feel like, um, and then it's, it's crazy because um, my, my boy that just passed away, I feel like I kind of took up off of his mentality and that's just, you know what I'm saying? Just being a dog, um, cause that's what he was. So, and, and this was when he was, you know, here living with me, uh, with all of us and like I just like man, I'm I'm coming up just like you, bro. And it's it's crazy, you know, um, how stuff happens and you know how people can motivate us, you know, while they're here and not even knowing that they're motivating us. And then you know, um, so I, I felt like that just stuck with me because I I knew that I had to feed my family, and I felt like that was my way. Like some people feel like that you know, that they're the elite guy, their position, you know, not knowing that there's only one or two of them per team, you know. So if I'm going to do something, I want to be the best at it. So that's why I take pride in special teams. Your mom battled lung disease for 15 years, but now you're mentioning your friend you just recently lost. Can you tell us who that was? Uh, yeah, my, my best friend. Uh, my son's godfather. Um, I'm the godfather, his son. So, like, my very best friend went, was, went to school with each other since seventh grade, high school. He ended up going to Ohio State mm. as, a, as a four-star recruit. Um, I went up, ended up going to Illinois. Um, so, like, we kept the battling, uh, stayed best friends, and, you know, just passed away a few weeks ago. But, you know, like I said, um, his legacy is through me and through all his levels. Yeah, I actually have some similarities. Like I lost my best friend going into my 10th year in the league. This is a guy that, you know, we grew up together, went to high school together, and he actually followed me to UCF. So uh, I, I kind of, I want to say everybody's situation is different, so I want to say I feel exactly how you feel. But I, I remember really dedicating that that last year to him because you know, we had literally did everything together, you know, growing up in high school and college together. And then even when I was in the league, he would come to a few games. And then obviously we would check on each other's parents growing up in Tampa. Whenever I came home, I went and saw his people. He would check on mine when I wasn't there. So, um, you know, how has this loss, I won't say 
I know obviously it's affected you, but as far as like, you know, playing football and just, just the scheme of life, like, how, like what has it done to you? Um, just to let you know that, you know, life is real, you know, um, one day you can be here, next day you can be gone. So, you know, live life to the fullest. Um, definitely never take anything for granted. I know he definitely changed my whole perspective on this season because I could be down, I could be negative, you know, um, just because of what we're going through, you know, and what I was used to going through, you know, in my past professional years, uh, making it to the playoffs every year, you know what I'm saying? Knowing that this year is different, but it's a rebuilding year. And just keeping that faith, keeping that, you know, positive attitude, knowing that, you know, my head coach has a plan and tr to trust his plan and to be all in on the plan, which I am. And um, just like every day, man, it's crazy. I just been walking in with a smile on my face. Um, and it's probably because of him, man. And uh, it's just been natural for me. You know, I haven't been down. Like I said, I just lost him a, a few weeks ago, but you know, um, just the type of guy he was, the type of person I am. And um, you know, the way God, how, how God is shaping everything for me. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been tough, but you know, like I said, just been staying positive and happy. It, and that's one thing here, is that you never know what's going on in somebody else's life and, and what they're dealing with. And you're talking about Devon Bogard, who you went to high school with. And he signed on to Ohio State in 2012. And he was your best friend since when? All the way back to the seventh grade. Seventh grade, yeah. 27 years old. And um, he, he, he recently passed in a fire. So our thoughts and prayers go out to you, his friends and family during this time of year, especially. Um, and Appreciate I know that. that yeah, no doubt about that, Justin. It, can we go back as you, you're dedicating this season to him and your mother? Because you've always yeah. put your your mother at, at the forefront of everything you do. Can we go back to 2017 with Houston? Can you take me through May to September, what those months were like as you embarked on your NFL career? Man, um... It was different um, because, you know, just running a, a fast 40 time, if I take you back to even the March uh, from Pro Day, running a fast 40 time, being optimistic, you know, about getting drafted, not having the numbers, though, not really having the film um, as I would have liked. Um, and then, uh, you know, just – getting a few calls from a few teams saying that, hey, man, you may be a late late rounder or you may be, you know, a, a prefer, a definitely a preferred free agent. Um, and honestly, uh, it was all excitement to me because to just get a call from an NFL team, it was like, wow, I'm getting a call from an NFL team and know that they have interest in me. Um, it was really like a dream come true. You know what I'm saying? Um, it really was. Some people may take it for granted. I know I didn't. Like I said, just, you know, just to get them calls, like, it really made my day. So 
when, you know, it was closer to the draft, you know, I guess you get them calls because, you know, the preferred free agents, they want to know. Um, <clears throat> so then come draft day, I uh, knew I was going to be a day three guy. I had my whole family over there. And I remember like it was yesterday, man. Um, my dad was there from the beginning. Well, I think it started at 12 to 7. You know, my dad waited there to, for me to get my name called. And I didn't, you know. Um, but as soon as I got that call, you know, from Houston and say that they, you know, wanted me to sign as an undrafted free agent, you know, like my family and, and I, you know, my father and everybody, we like, we were just so happy. Like, we did it, you know, like, you know, all my hard work, like every little thing, like my stand up late and getting up early, you know, uh, I would say like, I wouldn't say the typical, you know, college story because I wouldn't call it typical, everybody's story different. Um, just all the hardships and everything that I've been through. Um, and it was just like, you know, relief. It was like, wow, you know, um, just for my mom, I was so happy, you know, like my, I made it like, I still not knowing I still had a long way to go, but like, I, I got my foot in the door, you know, I was, and then, um, to get into Houston and, you know, the first, first two weeks I was there had, you know, a strained hamstring. So it didn't, it was crazy. And being an undrafted guy, you know, you really don't have that much time. I really could have been out of there. Um, but, you know, uh, Bill O'Brien, he, you know, he kept me around and I was able to get healthy. And once I, once I got healthy, um, was able to make a few plays on offense. Not like I wanted, but I knew my focus, I knew my focus was going to be on special teams. Um, so after mini camp and uh, everything, I stayed there, stayed there for the summer, grinded with the strength coaches, got to camp. Uh, camp came, and like I knew, you know, of course, this is when the equipment come on, and this is when the excitement, this is when, you know, the preseason games come. And I remember like it was yesterday, uh, I got in in the fourth quarter on offense, and I got three special team reps. And um, I went up to the special teams coach the next day, and I damn near wanted to, excuse my language, uh, in tears, um, almost was like, man, like, like what, what do I have to do in practice to show you to just give me some reps in the game? Like, do I have to work harder? Like, what do I have to do? And I guess, I, I guess just my approach he was so, you know, stunned by it. he was like, Wow, Hardy, you know, um, that was very professional of you, you know, and you know, like you you show hard work, you work hard every day. So it's not that, you know, next game I'm gonna get you some more reps, I'm you know, I'm gonna get you opportunity. And um that next uh, practice we scrimmaging against uh New England and stuff and you know, um, I went from, you know, almost last and all the depth charts to like second team. So I was just glad because of the progression, you know, just to show that I, I really cared that much. And um, once I um, once I got the opportunity, got in the game, and I remember um, I got one rep at uh, Gunner and I got a few reps at, you know, the other stuff. But, and I remember I was vice that Gunner 
and I took an inside release and I won, but somebody else guy came and smacked me. <laughs> <laughs> somebody else guy who wasn't even supposed to have nothing to do with me just came and smacked me. I got up, ran, but the play was already made. The coach was at meeting was like, man, Hardy, man, that's tough, man. I see you won, but he was like, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so uh, by 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 this time, uh, third preseason game, we're actually about to play the New Orleans Saints. About to play the mm. New Orleans Saints, but we practice against the New Orleans Saints twice. Mm. We practice against them. Um, I remember the first day was punt, and I remember we practicing against them. And uh, some of my boys, I'm of course they're my brothers now, uh, but I didn't know them then. And I remember uh, we were just doing drills, man. And I'm, I'm getting down there, but I'm not making the play. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm winning versus the vice, but I'm not making the play. Just young mistakes. And um, uh, fast forward to the game, I remember uh, the coach came up to me, especially the coach, he, he said, man, hey, uh, if you don't make the first play, I really don't know what to tell you because it's a guy that I've been wanting to coach, you know, and we finally got him here and, you know, this is the guy that I want. So it was like pressure. So I was like, man, that's a slap in the face to tell a kid like that, you know what I'm saying, the day before the game. But it's like, it is what it is. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So the first first two reps, uh, and we punted, punted that whole game. That's crazy. It's a blessing in disguise. But the first two reps, I get down there, man. But the returner running away from me, of course, because, you know, I'm, I'm the opposite side. So the coach took me out. He pretty much like, Hardy, man, we got a lot of guys. We got to go in. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I'm just standing. I'm standing by him the whole time. Every time it's punt time because I, I just wanted, just want the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's the guy that they had going pretty much the whole time while everybody else is rotating. So this guy was also playing offense, and this guy, um, he gets tired. So the he, coach looking. He's looking around. He's looking around. Hardy go in there. Hardy go in. Man, Hardy go in. Hardy make that play. <laughs> good stuff, Hardy. Good stuff, Hardy. Hardy, you gonna get another rep? Hardy get that another rep. Not Hardy Vice. Hardy still make that play. By this time, now nah, I feel like okay. Now nah, I feel like my life changed. I feel like I'm gonna get an opportunity. I really feel it. Confidence out the roof. Hardy get another rep. Hardy make another play. Just three punts back to back at Gunner. And the coach like, man, I feel like you done showed enough now to the whole NFL, man. You can go sit down. Um, it was crazy because the fourth preseason game, um, Hurricane Harvey happened, so they they cut they cut the whole fourth preseason game out. I remember that, yeah, yeah. And then um, I, after, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember I got cut, and I remember I was so down, uh, I was hurt. I was like, man, I couldn't believe it. But that next day, uh, my agent called me like, yo, uh, New Orleans called. They said they're gonna fly you in for a workout. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh yeah, let's go. So my agent called me like, man, they're going to fly you in the next day. That next day came. My agent like, hey, New Orleans said they're going to cancel the workout, but don't think too much of it. I'm like, what? Cancel? So they canceled the workout. 
agent called me that same day, like, hey, man, you ever played DB before? I'm like, uh, yeah. He like, man, high school, college, anything. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Come on. Yeah. Sign, sign me up on the uh, Saints practice squad. Um, was there for two weeks. I remember they told my agent, like, hey, man, we, he could possibly get moved up to week three. Week three come. Justin Hardy knocking on Sean Payton door. Um, hey, Coach Sean Payton, you know, I definitely uh, appreciate everything. I'm not trying to say that I'm better than any anybody, but I just feel like what I'm able to bring to the table, I feel like I can benefit this team. Coach Sean Payton gives me my opportunity. I take full advantage of it. Mm. Now the rest is history. The rest is history. That that is a hell of a story. Yeah, man. And I, I know it means a lot to dudes because he wasn't drafted himself and Similar played ten story. years in the National Football League. You oh, guys, yeah. so you already know. Yeah, yeah, already know. You guys both refuse to have the door shut. I know this has to be a special moment when you go back to Houston this yeah. week, considering your journey uh, and dudes, I know you appreciate it. Yeah. I was just going to ask you about that. Cause whenever I played a, a former team, man, like there was always a little bit of added incentive to go out there and play and be like, yeah, y'all let me go. But somebody else wanted me and I'm going to show you why. So is there any, and you actually have that twice this year, right? Cause he has the Texans yeah. and then he has the Saints. So is there any motivated, you know, any extra motivation the next couple of weeks when you're playing your former teams? Uh, uh yeah, of course. You know, um, but you know, Sunday I'll be here soon. I'm, I I'll be able to show that on the field, so it ain't like I really got to talk about it. Um, definitely, um, and then you know, in a few weeks I get to you know get to face my other former team. So mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of boiled up, but you know, I love to talk after the game or really during the game. You know, I, mm -hmm. I love to talk on the field still in my quiet way. You know, try not to get in trouble, but. You know, I definitely got a lot to say. Uh, how much do you love playing, man? Uh, you just, you know, if I'm looking for <laughs> a guy who is going to give it everything and no every question. play, and you could close your eyes on any punt because you know 34 is going to be down there <laughs> as soon as the ball is down there. I can't think of anybody who epitomizes loving the game more than you. Yeah, man, it's, you know, it's, it's about, you know, uh, being grateful of the opportunity, man, and just taking full advantage of every single little opportunity that you have, you know, um, just because it, it can be taken away just by a breath of a second, you know, um, and the opportunity may not be there for long. So just, you know, taking, taking full advantage of everything, you know, um, being passionate about what you do and, uh, really about who you're doing it for. You know, when, when you're really thinking about who you're doing it for, then I feel like you can be able to take your game and your mindset to the next level. You know, this game is so much mental, you know, so I definitely just try to uh, prepare myself mentally uh, every day and going out there and at practice and giving everything I got and then going out in the game, you know, like it's second nature. Well, the great thing for Jets fans is you signed a three-year contract, oh, so yeah. you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin, yes, yeah, we appreciate you joining us today. And, again, uh, 
many thoughts to you and yeah, Devon's sure. family during this time. Hey, it's time. Devin. It's Devin. Devin. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's built. He he always got that all the time. Did he? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely prayers to you and and his family, man, through these these troubling times. Oh yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you all for you know picking me to you know talk this week. It's truly a blessing. I don't take anything for granted, so I I, I truly appreciate that. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Great stuff from Justin Hardy. Okay, Jets-Texans Sunday afternoon. I did not see that coming. We talked about (laughs) an open that Houston Houston comes to Tennessee. They win that game. Jets have not won a road game so far this season. Yeah. This is their best opportunity to date. No doubt about it. Without a doubt it is. And this is what the theme of the NFL season has been, right? Expect the unexpected. Expected. And it's been like that in college too, right? So many teams with one or two losses in the top ten going down. And then in the NFL, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Bills. You got the Houston Texans beating the Tennessee Titans. So you have to expect the unexpected. You had the Miami Dolphins beating the Baltimore Ravens when nobody expected that on the Thursday night football game. So each week you have to show up or you will get beat. Now, the Tennessee Titans versus Houston game this past week was a monsoon game. And that's not an excuse. You have to be prepared to play in all type of weather, inclement weather. But that had a lot to do with it. You're talking about a team that forced five turnovers, five turnovers, which really hadn't really routinely done that throughout the first couple of weeks of the season. And it could have been seven because of the ball being wet. And, you know, the, Houston, the Tennessee Titans fumbled it two more times. And actually, they fumbled it one time and ended up scoring a touchdown on it because they're tied in. I think Ferguson jumped on the ball after Chester Rogers fumbled the ball in the flat. So you're talking about potentially seven turnovers for the Houston Texans. And, um, they have some good players on their team, right? You got Brandon Cooks, who's a reliable receiver, who's been a thousand-yard receiver year in, year in and year out. Um, Tyrod Taylor is a guy that's not going to turn the football over. He can hurt you with his legs. He did that Sunday versus the Tennessee Titans, two rushing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He only threw for 100 yards, though, right? So this is a guy that's careful with the football. He's not going to take chances. He doesn't want to put his team behind the eight ball. And then you saw, you know, Burkhead at running back give them some juice on offense as far as running with physicality on Sunday versus Tennessee Titans. They were the more physical team versus Tennessee Titans on Sunday, which you never hear from a Mike Vrabel coach team. But the Houston Texans punched them in the mouth Sunday. So the Jets have to come into this game knowing that they're feeling good about themselves, right? Their emotions are high. They're going to be in front of their home crowd. And they're looking at the Jets, how the, the Jets are looking at the Texans. Like, this is a chance for us to start going on a little winning streak here, right? We can get two in a row. So you got to know you're going to get their best shot. So you got to come out, play a physical brand of football, Run the football. Yes, we know Michael Carter is out, but I believe that you'll have some success running it with Tevin Coleman and running it with Ty Johnson because earlier in that game, the Tennessee Titans had success running the football, and it wasn't Adrian Peterson, right? It was their other backs. Hilliard had success running the football, and Foreman had success running the football. So run the football. The screen game will be up this week. I know they like to get Ty Johnson on some screens. I think that'll be big for the Jets on offense this week. And then on defense, like get, you have to get after this offensive line. Larry Tunsil didn't play last week. We'll see if maybe he can come back this week. So 
like the Jets defensive line. We we said it this past week, you know, the Miami offensive line, this was a chance for them to take over. But it's time, Jets defensive line. Like, this is the time you want to be considered one of the best interior defensive tackle groups in all of football. This is your game right here. Go get after it this week. Uh, the only thing that kind of stinks about us taping Tuesday morning is we don't know who the starting quarterback is <laughs> going to be. It's going to be either Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson. Wilson yeah. Zach Wilson has missed four consecutive games with the PCL sprain. The Jets continue to work them out. They're going to have more clarity later today on that. If it's Wilson, uh, what is he seeing from the Texans defensively? So this is a team that's, that's pretty vanilla. They play a lot of quarters coverage. They play some two, some two-man. So uh, they want you to have to really, you know, take all the underneath stuff and push the, the ball, you know, underneath and get So, so this would be a great opponent for him because that's yeah. exactly what he has to do, correct? Or, or Mike White. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, kidding, I, I'm, I'm saying, kidding, but that, that's where – But this would be a great opponent for him, right, because – It tests your patience. Exactly. You have to have patience. And we talk about his growth, and I like that he came out and said there's some things from Mike White's game that I can, you know, implement in my game as far as, you know, taking the stuff that's underneath, not trying to force the football down the field now – the Texans do sometimes have bad eye discipline, eye violation. You're able to take a shot down the field, and you know Ryan Tannehill was able to do that with um, West Aquina um, versus versus the Houston Texans. I think he hit him for like a 40-yard bomb down the middle, split the two safeties and the two high look. One of the safeties had bad eyes, so you'll have opportunities to take your shot down the field when they give it to you. But don't only do it when they give you those opportunities, right? Don't just try to make up your own play and throw the ball down the field. But again, to me, EA, the run game is going to be massive this week you it, have to run the football and but if it's cool joe you like what you saw out of him obviously yeah, last week yeah, i mean and joe's joe's a, you know they call him cool get. joe you know he's, he's a pros pro he knows where to go with the football knows knows where the blitz is coming from now they did have the one miscommunication in the red zone where you know it ended up being a sack fumble besides that knowing where to go with the football when they blitz he was able to find elijah moore on a on a nice end breaking dig route that went to the house for 40-plus in a touchdown because he knows exactly where to go with the football. And Joe's just accurate, man. Like, you didn't see too many times where the ball was not in front of the receiver where he could catch it and continue to run with the football. So if Joe goes in, you feel comfortable. But also, if Zach goes in, this is a game that we can see if he's, you know, kind of sat back and learned the nuances of this offense and where I can, you know, go with the football or where I need to go with the football and that I don't have to play hero ball all the time. I can just take what the offense is giving me and I can throw for 300 yards. This is kind of a weird spot in the schedule because the Jets are a very young team. You got Houston, who everybody externally has been down on. Obviously, you're going through a lot of transition. They got the Deshaun Watson situation. Yeah. Uh, it, kind of a cloud hanging over their collective heads all season. I can't imagine there's going to be too much atmosphere in the building. <laughs> yeah. So the Jet, And the Jets haven't won on the road. So with all that being said, like you mentioned with the run game, you need to see something early from this team you because otherwise fast. you're going to be in trouble. You will be in trouble in this game unless you come in there with the mentality is we have to get after them. Yeah, you got to take it to them right away yeah. because they're going to come in with confidence, and that's where Tennessee kind of lacked last week when they played the Houston Texans. Like, they didn't start fast. They turned the football over. They couldn't get things going. They and then stopped. you left them in the game, and then we yeah, saw what happened. Yeah, and then they went for it on a couple fourth downs, and they didn't convert. Like, the the, the Houston Texans defensive line stood up strong on a couple run plays on fourth and short. So, if you leave a team hanging around and give them confidence, like any anything, EA, you can lose. And we saw that's what happened to the Tennessee Titans. So, the Jets have to come in early 
and punch them in the mouth. Like, run the ball down their throats. Let them know what type of game it's going to be. You have to start fast. Get some easy completions for Zach Wilson if he's starting or if it's Joe Flacco. Get him some easy completions. Get the offense going. Get Elijah Moore integrated in the offense early and often. Mm-hmm. And take it to them because if you come out there lackluster and you, you, leave, you let the Texans hang around, then it's going to be a long day. I just want to end here. The 2021 draft class looks like an A yeah. by, by all accounts. Now, the big piece of this, mm-hmm. we have to see something from him down the stretch. Of course, that is Zach Wilson. You yeah. want to see him progress, get those game reps, and show improvement. That is monstrous. But looking ahead to 2022, like Uh-oh. you said – complete rebuild you gotta like the way this is starting to shape up because your draft capital in 2022 and if you can continue to get those pieces like the moors the barrett tuckers the carters the carters um this team will be better in a hurry i'm not saying they're a playoff team next year but i don't think they're far away on both sides of the line of scrimmage either yeah, and that's what Joe D wanted, right? He likes to build his team through the line of scrimmage. So you talk about the draft capital, and the draft capital only means anything if you're able to hit on those high picks. So Joe D can go anywhere with these draft picks. You got Seattle that is struggling right now. So you're talking about another potential top 10 pick the Jets have, and you could potentially trade out of that. You can even use that tra- that pick to maybe go get you a starter. You know, if there's a guy that you like that you feel like the draft capital equals the type of player is, you can go trade and get you another potential starter. Or you can just use those two high draft picks and get you some, you know, other foundational pieces to build on this offense and defensive line. Um, I believe the Jets will draft a high defensive end, maybe even offensive center out the guy from Iowa I really like. I think he's the most complete offensive lineman in this draft. You talk about dog. He got dog, EA. Like he got <laughs> dog dog and has the flexibility to play center or guard. So you add a guy like him if you trade back, you know, with that second first round pick or if Seattle starts winning and he's there around like the 16th or 15th pick, do you take him? Um, so that there's so many ways Joe D can go because he had two second round picks too. And a lot of people look at those second round picks as first round picks as well. So you could even trade back with those or even trade to go get you another foundational piece somewhere. So um, you have to love the, the draft capital they were able to get because of the Jamal Adams trade, because of the Sam Donald trade. And the thing is, you have to hit on those picks now. You have to use those picks to help build a foundation for your team and an identity. It is impossible to hit on every pick. But if you hit on a good percentage of them, yeah. this thing will turn. And you are right about Salah and company. And, and Joe Douglas and his staff just did a tremendous job with the 2021 draft. So while you're watching this team over the final seven games <laughs> – not only watch your development, but keep an eye on the bottom of the screen and see how the Seattle Seahawks are doing because the Jets do own the Seahawks' first-round pick this year. Right now, it's a top-ten pick. Mm. It could be even better than that. could we'll, be a top-five. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of season left to be played because no it's 17 games in the NFL this year. Keep on listening to us and make sure to subscribe, rate, review. 